Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn, how you doing today? Good, Casey. It's March 1st. March 1st. It is officially our first. Uh, you've been doing this for a year with me, man. So, uh, That's right. I guess uh, you probably, I probably need to congratulate you for putting up with me for this long. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah, thanks. for it's been, a, it's been a good good thing, you know, and hopefully we've, you know, educated the audience and educated ourselves on all these different rules. But yeah, it started with the grain glitch, and um, that got fixed, I think, about two or three weeks after we did that first first recording. But yeah, March 1st of last year was the first time we, we did our tax moves. Yeah, so that's uh, it's been a fun run, man, and I, uh, I look forward to another year doing this. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so now we are coming into that end of the year season where taxes are getting to be uh, a, uh, a thought on everyone's mind because they've got a file. So um, before the show, we were talking about what was going on, and you mentioned there is going to be an extension to the March 1st deadline. Yep. So we've talked about this a little bit, but farmers are kind of unique and that they don't have to pay quarterly tax estimates if they want to go ahead and file and pay their tax by March 1st. So really it's the end of day, March 1st, which is today. Now, just yesterday, the IRS came out with a news release in the morning and said, hey, we're going to let, let you off the hook. You don't actually have to file by March 1st. You have until April 15th. Now, the issue with this is it's kind of late in the game, right? Most, If you're going to file by March 1st, you know, you're not waiting until the absolute last second. There might be maybe a couple of returns here at the office that we maybe didn't quite push the button on. So it's a little late, but in theory, you do not have to file by the end of today Today, if you're, if you're a farmer. You've got until April 15th now. So basically the reason is because there's still some confusion about certain things associated with the grain glitch, unfortunately, and, and maybe how a few things work. They don't have even the proposed rules out on some of this. So they're, and also K1s and things, maybe farmers don't have K1s. So they're giving us a break, but it was, it's kind of too little too late, really. Right on. So the other deadline, we have a March 15th deadline, which is typically for our partnership um, S corporations. So our business returns are, are generally due March 15th. But you can extend those. Um, but, you know, that's, that's so, you know, a few weeks away on that, March 15th. And then, of course, we have April 15th, which is on a Monday this year. And that's when, you know, the personal tax return is due. So, yeah, we've, we've got some deadlines coming up here. Right on. Okay, so what are some of the big, <clears throat> compared to last year, what are some of the big um, changes you see? You know, we've talked about tax changes, stuff like that. But what are some of the yep. big things that yep. you want to remind folks to pay attention to moving into yeah. that April 15th deadline? Yeah, it's a good question, you know, because we're, we're obviously getting some returns out the door now. We're seeing some things. We're, we're seeing some repeat things. So what are some common themes? You know, one of the common themes is it's, you know, a lot harder now to um, itemize, right? Your, your standard deduction, if you remember, is now $24,000 if you're married. So if you do not have state income taxes, real estate taxes and things of that nature, which are now capped at 10,000, your mortgage interest and your donations. So a lot more of our taxpayers are just taking that standard deduction. 
Um, so that's that's certainly a common theme. Um, of course, the big one is the 199A deduction. So we're not really talking about the grain glitch or anything or anything associated with co-op grain sales. Just that general rule of thumb that if you if you are a business operating as a trader business, which there's some confusion about that, but you know you get this 20% deduction, right? So you know if I make 100 grand, I might get a $20,000 free deduction. So I only actually pay tax on 80,000. So obviously a lot of our clients, you know, we're dealing with business clients, a lot of them. Um, but if you just have a W-2, right, you're not going to get that deduction. But, you know, if you've got K-1 income, if you've got a farm, a sole proprietorship, possibly a rental business, um, you've got to watch that. Now, specific to farmers and landowners, um, just remember that even though you're just getting cash rent as a landlord, and you maybe aren't doing much, if anything, you may still be eligible for this 199 deduction. So the concern would be, well, I'm not really a trader business if I'm just collecting my, my rent check. Well, remember, there's a related party rule that says if the tenant, you know, so basically if a family member, and, and the IRS defines that, but if a family member is paying you rent, you automatically get this 20%. So brothers, sisters, um, you know, sons, parents, kind of lineal kind of descendants in general. There's, there's, you know, check with your tax advisor for this. It's 267 is the code section. But in general, just make sure you're telling your tax preparer who the tenant is if they don't know who the tenant is, right? Because they may, you know, before it didn't matter who the tenant was generally. But now, hey, that rent's coming from my brother or that's that rent's coming from a partnership that my brother owns 50% of or my sister or whatever it might be. So so that's one to, to make sure you fill them in on that. Um, hopefully, you know, we're asking you those questions, but, um, sometimes we forget. So, um, definitely just remember that that's a nice rule that, that, uh, really makes it more beneficial to rent out your land to a family member than it does to a third party. Cause right. if you rent out land to a third party and it's a cash rent deal, you might be able to claim this deduction, but it's going to be pretty hard unless you've got some activity. Remember we talked about that 250 hours and things, but Hey, it's actually better to rent to a, to a family member Right. It kind of a free pass. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about one of the things that I, I I'm curious to see how it plays out, and then with the with the deductions that that are available now, or with the tax brackets that are available now, and how this deduction is going to kind of a, be affected by people's uh, income taxes. So um, up until this year, with the new tax reforms, state and local tax were uh, were yeah. were uh, uh, deductible on your federal income tax. So now. Yep. With what you're seeing, are you seeing a uh, enough offset with the with tax brackets versus what that would have been that there's kind of a wash there? Or do yeah. you see that there is a is there a gain or a loss that you're seeing there as far as yeah. your federal tax returns go? Good question. It's maybe a little early, but uh, as a reminder, you're capped now at $10,000. That's your state income tax, real estate taxes, you know, sales taxes if you don't have state income tax. So capped at $10,000. Most of our clients were that would they they are capped. They were they were subject to something called alternative minimum tax anyway, which is a whole separate way of calculating the tax on the side. And in that situation, you did not deduct your state income taxes. So as a general rule of thumb, for you know if if you were subject to AMT alternative minimum tax, it's probably still you know tax reform helps you. It would be in that kind of rare situation. We're hearing stories more of this on the East Coast or West Coast, you know, where you weren't subject to AMT, but your real estate taxes and income tax are really, really high that you could get hit by it. But 
as a general rule for our clients, we're not really seeing that it's a particular problem. Overall, you know, taxes are down as a percentage of your income. Yep. Okay. Now, how about let's, let's flip back into 179. So, with the with the rules there, that they've traded in how how a, a purchase yeah. and a trade in are uh, are being addressed yep. now. Have you seen yep. any stickiness there? Any real issues yeah. of people not, you know, maybe taking advantage yeah. of that the way they should have taken advantage of it? Nothing too crazy because in general, you know, yes, any trade now is considered a sale. So you have a gain, but then you're able to fully bonus depreciate that gain in almost all cases, except if you have certain states that don't follow that rule here in Illinois, which, you know, most of our clients are Illinois. We, that's not an issue. Um, but as we've talked about, it's a good reminder that what we're seeing is that your schedule F is going to be negative is right. This, this gain is thrown on another form 4797 form. So your schedule F is going to be negative and that, that can basically will prevent you if to not, you wouldn't be able to contribute to a retirement plan because you really don't have any self-employment income. But the good news is, is that gain is not subject to self-employment tax. So, you know, okay, yes, I can't contribute to my retirement plan, but I don't actually have to potentially pay as much self-employment tax. So kind of a give and take, um, but yeah, nothing too crazy yet. Uh, but I think the biggest negative would be that you're maybe you're planning on, you know, funding a SEP, you know, simplified pension plan kind of thing. SEP IRAs is pretty common. And you may not be able to do that if you have a, you cannot do that if you have a loss on your Schedule F. And again, it's because you've taken all that extra depreciation on your Schedule F to, uh, to offset the big gain that's on your other schedules. So that's, that's, that's definitely a negative. Um, but not hearing anything about, um, potentially the IRS changing that rule. So eventually that could be a problem once they, you know, do away with all this fast write-off. You know, if you can't write off equipment anymore, which is several years out still, then it could be a problem. But not too many issues yet on that issue. Right. Okay, so we've talked about several um, clarifications that, that are still kind of up in the air that are, you know, 199A, we've talked about several clarifications yep. there that have yet to be yep. resolved. We've talked about one yep. last week with, um, for example, the uh, semi and the, the trailer and the interest yep. expense and the floor plan interest mm -hmm. things like that. Yep. Any new news on that front? Where, oh, where yes. Clarifications? Every day there's new news. Okay. So you just, you just think. It's hard. I mean, you know, the, some of these things are a little more unique, but um, if you're, if you have more than, this is a pretty sizable number, but if you have more than $315,000 of income, yes, you can get this one nine deduction, but you, you start even, you start having to have wages or qualified property, you know, depreciable property in order to support this deduction. Once you get up over certain income levels, right, you either have to have wages or qualified property. So on Twitter, um, I got this idea from, from a colleague outside of the firm who I really trust and respect. He was like, well, what's the rule if, if somebody passes away during the year? So, so a farmer purchases equipment during the year. They obviously have equipment, right? And that's qualified property. It's depreciable, you know, original cost of the equipment. And they happen to have a lot of income. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to be okay because I have enough farm equipment or I have, you know, grain bins or something that's depreciable to support that 20% deduction. So I'm going to be fine. Well, if you pass away during the year, there's a question about you don't actually – it's when does the year close? Do I get this UBI – it's called UBIA, this qualified property. Do I get to treat it as qualified property? Or not when I die. You know what? What's the close of my tax year? And, and basically, the regs, the proposed rules that they became final rules, 
they looked at it from the perspective of if I inherit that equipment, right, from my parents as, as a child, I could get that new stepped-up basis, not only for income tax purposes, so that if I sell that equipment, generally I wouldn't have a tax consequence, but I also get that qualified property at that higher number equal to fair market value. But So that's from the person receiving the property. But what about to get on that final tax return of the person that passed away? Do you get any UBA there? Because it's very clear if you like sell the equipment during the middle of the year, you would not get that qualified property because you don't have it at the close of the tax year. That's what it says at the close of the tax year. So we don't know what at the close of the tax year means. And, you know, it just, it's hard to think of everything. Right. And, and so new issues are coming up every day. I think they're, I think they're narrowing in scope, right. They're not super wide issues like the co-op thing, right. was huge. Right. Because right. everyone, Hey, I, I'm selling co-op grain and it's 20% of gross. That was now we're getting narrower, but there's still issues. You know, people will, what if you sell out on 1231 versus selling out on 1230? Does that matter? You know, this, you know, a day matters and, and, you know, these things are going to happen. Right. And so, yes, there's, there's issues still with some of the nuances of, of what determines the last day of the year. Is it, you know, the last day of the year you were alive or is it 1231? Cause that's when your tax return is filed. Right. So anyway, we don't have a specific situation now, a client situation that that applies to, but, but some people are like, Hey, you know, I can think of a scenario and, and we just got missed in the guidance. So there's no guidance on the issue. Right. Well, Glenn, plenty of stuff going on. A lot of things floating out there. A lot of balls to uh, try to catch when they all come down at once here for tax season. So when you, if people want to reach out to you, ask you some questions about a tax issue they might have, or just an overall question on just what uh, some clarifications on some of these, uh, some of these items we've been talking about, how would they do that? Yeah. It's best to call me here at the office at Heinel Banwart, our phone number 309 694 four two five one or you can always follow me on twitter at glenn burnbaum is my handle right on glenn well glenn take care of yourself make sure you guys follow glenn there's a lot of good stuff there a lot of accountants chime in when uh when glenn posts his stuff so there's a lot of uh a lot of back and forth there a lot of good information get exchanged so glenn till next week have a good one we'll talk to you then bud all right thanks casey all right well that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out GlobalAgNetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving higher in the 21st century.